This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 35. And the quote of the day is from Sir Winston Churchill, who said, Continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and it is beautiful outside. We got the windows open here, and so if you hear a little bit of noise, that's what's going on because it is just beautiful, and it's been freezing cold here, so that's what we're doing here, just taking in some fresh air. Before we get into the guest, I want to let you know that I just came out with a new ebook called Stick Control Variations, and it is 11 different exercises, creative exercises that you can do with the stick control book and you can get that for free if you sign up for the mailing list at drummersresource.com you'll automatically get a link where you can download that so check that out stick control variations 11 creative ways to use the stick control book free at drummersresource.com just sign up for the mailing list the interview that we have today is russ miller who is highly regarded as one of the best drummers in the world a multi-platinum recording artist. He's played on multiple Grammy award-winning records with combined sales of over 26 million. He's worked with over 50 international artists from Ray Charles to Natalie Cole, Tina Turner, Bobby Caldwell, and worked with Nelly Furtado, Hilary Duff, Steve Perry, Andrea Bucelli, and has been on over 50 international movies and TV shows. He has also been the drummer for American Idol during the mentoring, mentoring sessions, excuse me. And he also just launched drumandpercussionuniversity.com, which is an online school to study drums and percussion directly from him. And he talks about that in this interview a lot. And uh, yeah, this is just a, a great interview, and I'm really excited about it. So let's get right into it. Without further ado, Russ Miller. Russ, what's going on? Thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Oh, great to hear from you, Nick. Thanks for uh, thinking of me. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, we had a little bit of a, a little bit of technical difficulties in the beginning. I'm not sure what that was all about, but we got it figured out. So we're ready to chat drums, man. A common occurrence in the yeah. recording studio. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, when computers work, they're really good, but when they don't, they're they're really a pain in the neck, man. Yeah. You know. <laughs> We're very spoiled too. That's we're used to them working. Yep, so. absolutely. Yeah, well, we got it rolling. Yes, we did. So before we get into it, really deep into this interview, I always like to get the backstory of where people started and how they got into drumming. So give us a, a history of, of where you're coming from. Well, I grew up in a really small town in Ohio um, called Maslin, Ohio. Very small, like uh, I think twelve thousand people or something. And, um, Everyone there, you know, worked in the canning factory and the steel mill and all of that. And um, it, I remember when I was in high school, the very first uh, computer-aided uh, mechanical drafting programs had started, like the, where they started, instead of drawing everything on paper, it was starting to go to computer. And uh, this was in the early 80s. And I actually had trained on that stuff for a little while in high school. And they came and offered, like the factory there offered my whole class, you know, jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and everybody took it but me. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to work there. I'm going to be a famous drummer, you know. So, uh, of course, everybody was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, you know, two, late, two years later, they're driving their brand new Corvette. And I'm like, you know, trying to eat ramen noodles every day. But mm -hmm. uh, anyway, you know, it started when I was younger in that city. And my, my grandfather was like a music enthusiast. He, he played drums when he was younger. But, you know, that generation, that World War II generation, they, they didn't have much. So he, he had a drum set for a minute, but and he, and he didn't really play it very long. He took it back. And, but he was always a, a real music enthusiast. So I was always listening to music a lot. Mm -hmm. I grew up around them, around my grandparents. So I actually started playing like big band music before anything else because I was listening to all those great records of like Woody Herman and Count Basie and Chick Webb and Buddy Rich and uh, Duke Ellington and Benny Goodman, all those guys. And, and you know, I didn't realize till high school that that wasn't cool. <laughs> like right. Chicks cool. <laughs> weren't going to dig on big band music. So, you know, I got into playing rock stuff. But um, my cousin played drums. A friend of mine played drums. I started playing guitar when I was a kid. It took me about eight months to learn the theme to Batman. So I figured that wasn't for me. Man, I played guitar and, for a little bit and it was just not not yeah. happening yeah it's just the drums are way way hipper and uh i don't know maybe it's because my my cousin and my friend kind of played and i was influenced by that and my grandfather a little bit i started playing but you know real deal lessons since i was eight and back then man you you know you you played on a pad maybe a snare drum for a couple years mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before you got a drum set so i learned to read and you know my first drum teacher was actually blind and really? yeah, and he had memorized like the Nard book and the, um, you know, all these snare drum solo books. Uh, and, you know, he would literally be, you know, you miss the note on the E of four and the flam on the, uh, you know, I mean, he would know every figure on those pages. Wow. And it was pretty, pretty amazing. But yeah, I, I started taking lessons when I was eight and I have never stopped, man. I've taken lessons my whole life. I take them to this day. And, um, yeah, I went through all the stuff in school and, you know, all the classes and stage band and jazz band and marching band and everything you could do really with music and in, in the school system that I was in anyway. And, and that that speaks volumes of of being the eternal student of, you know, the fact that you just said even now you take lessons. Yeah, I, I you know. always have, you know, and I mean, I talk about it in my online school thing that we did about having a coach and that even later in my career, it was not so much about, hey, play patterns 50 to you know 65 this week and come back next week. It wasn't that. Sure. It, was, it was more about having a third party perspective on what you're doing. And and, you know, look, man, Tiger Woods as a golf coach, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I was just going to say that, actually. Yeah. I mean, all the great quarterbacks have quarterback coaches. I mean, why why am I taking my job any less seriously than them? I mean, yeah, they make more money than I do. But I mean, <laughs> I'm still I'm still serious about it like that. And I want to have a coach and try to get better. And, you know, this is our product. So we're in a business of selling a product just like everybody else. And, and the better the product is, the easier it is to sell and resell. So. You know, that's important. Two points that I want to touch on. One, you say that it is a product and whatever, you know, you're you're trying to get hired for a recording session or you're trying to get hired for a tour or, or any any type of work. Right. You're a product that that you want to you know promote yourself and and sell. How do you how do you 
make that easier to digest for people that are out there listening? Because I think a lot of people think, well, no, it's about the art, man. It's not about the business and it's not about the, you know, and it's not about the, uh, the money, but it is, you know, so how do you, how do you marry the two? I mean, you know, look, there's always a balance of art and commerce in everything. I mean, you know, the greatest painter in the world can paint the most beautiful painting, frame it and stick it in his attic. And, you know, who's going to know about it? Right. Nobody. I mean, you gotta, you gotta understand that there's a balance. There's always a balance of artistry and commerce. And that's the biggest battle as your career goes on. And you see guys lose that battle where they lean too hard into the artistry of it and they don't have the commerce together at all. And, you know, they're driving a 76 Pinto and living by themselves at 50 years old, Mm -hmm. you know, still playing gigs for a hundred bucks. And, you know, on the other hand, you got guys who all they're doing is constantly selling you, selling you, selling you and telling you all the stuff they're doing and how great it is. And then when you see them play, there's nothing really happening there that's any different than anybody else. So, I mean, there's a cat who's leaning too far on the commerce where like mm-hmm. the artistry isn't, you know, at a high level of excellence. So mm-hmm. it's always a balance, man. And even the greatest drummers in the world all had a balance of that. I mean, if that wasn't true, you would have never saw Buddy Rich on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson mm-hmm. or, you know, on the Muppet Show. You know, those are forms of marketing. Those are forms of press and visibility for him. And I mean, every everybody does that i mean people take gigs that are more visible or less visible sometimes for certain reasons because they know it's going to be better for their career um i mean there's times where you know i would have loved to have you know taken great straight ahead jazz gigs and just played at a super high level all week long but you know i had a wife and a kid and a house and cars and you know everything else Mm -hmm. so I end up taking the pop gig and, you know, making a bump of money and then, you know, trying to get back to doing the artistry and trying to balance it the best you can. But I think the biggest thing is guys forget that at the end of the day, it's not the music friendship hang, it's the music business, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and you have to think you are a self-employed person selling a product and it's just take away the love of it for a second take away the artistry of it and just think if you were selling another product like i don't know whatever you know making shoes or something you know i mean you would just step back and go look i i need to make a nice pair of shoes that doesn't fall apart right away because people buy them and it does that they're not going to buy it again so that's the first thing i need to make the product as good as it can be I need to market the product or people's not going to know about it and buy the shoes, you know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I need to be able to deliver that and deliver it. Well, I, I can't show up in a ratty box and, or late after it was supposed to be there. And, you know, all these things apply to what we're doing. You know, I mean, I've replaced, you know, some of the biggest drummers that I'm not going to say their name, but you know, <laughs> one drummer in particular, that's probably the greatest drummer on the planet earth. I replaced him multiple times just because he didn't show up it's or, amazing. you know, or was just so late that the producer was like, can you come down here right now? Because we had this guy booked and it's been four hours and we waited and, you know, and you're just going, man, come on, man. Like, you know, that's, together. Not, that's pretty basic stuff. Right. Right. The second part of the the question that I wanted to ask you, you had mentioned 
um, being with, you know, working with different teachers and still taking lessons. So what do you practice? What's something that, you know, at your level, when you sit down behind the kit to practice, what are you going over? What are you going through? Well, like right now, I, I've been studying with Peter Erskine the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, before that, it was uh, Jeff Hamilton and Ed Thickbin. I spent some time with those guys, Steve Smith a little bit when I could, and uh, even Adam Nussbaum. Um, and just when I was around guys, just trying to suck up information too. You know what I mean? And, sure. But but like Peter, for instance, like I go to his studio, you know, every once in a while and actually take a private lesson. And so one of the things that I, when I went to Peter, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do was I felt like I had a command over playing aggressively, you know, laying things down, having command over the band, things like that. And, but I wanted to, I wanted to play beautiful Mm -hmm. and, you know, Peter plays beautiful. I mean, like, you know, Gad or, or one of those guys where, I mean, it's just like a, it's like a high level of visual painting or something where, you know, this is, these guys are not bashing the instrument. They're not brutalizing the thing, you know, they're, there it's just beautiful and i just wanted to understand what it was going to take to take the thing to that level and so a lot of that had to do with controlling of dynamics controlling of attitude and mostly uh delivering what your intention is in the given piece at at a, a lower level of you know volume and aggression and things like that you can still have a real strong intent and opinion but not have to beat it down everybody's throat Mm -hmm. and you know there's a certain there's a lot of maturity that has to happen in there and playing because you know you you feel like oh i got the time so i want to just show everybody where it's at but you know being able to relax in it the touch on the instrument all those different things so it's a lot of exercises of timekeeping and touch and especially at different tempos and changing where the pulse is developed from mm-hmm. out at your hands and feet to more internally and mentally and, you know, gaining sort of a solidity of playing without having to deliver it that way at the drums. Right. Now, and, uh, go it's, ahead. Hard. it's hard stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And I, you know, I think that that's one of the hardest things to work on. It's, you know, it's easy to say, okay, like you said, run through these exercises, one through 50 at all these different tempos and stuff. But then when you start getting into like playing melodically and, and, and playing different colors and textures and, and expressing things differently, that's when it really gets hard and, and, and frustrating, you know, when you're it trying does. to practice and, stuff. You know, the key to it, like I always tell everybody, man, you got to get to a cat that even has that information. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's just reality. Like, you know, I have guys that say, well, you know, I really want to learn to do sessions like you do. Great. Who are you working with? Uh, oh, this guy in, you know, Tulsa or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is he done a bunch of records and sessions and stuff? Well, no, he plays in a blues band, you know, and it's kind of like, <laughs> right. look, man, he might be a great drummer, but like he doesn't have that information. Right. Like, he just doesn't. And so you need to figure out first off what you want to play like you know, what you want to do, things that you want to work on. And you got to get to the people that have that information. And I mean, now you have an opportunity more than ever in history, because I mean, like we're talking about my online school. I mean, there's, there's online lessons with guys. I mean, the drum guru thing that a lot of us guys have done and, mm-hmm. and stuff where, you know, you're able to get 
information right from those guys and uh especially the online school thing because there's a more personal uh contact with that guy than there is you know with uh, buying a dvd or something right right now you had mentioned you know hanging out with the right cats and and uh to try to do studio work and someone like yourself you've done a ton of studio work how did you get that how did how did those calls start to come in from when you're in high school and you're like i'm going to be a famous drummer and everybody laughs at you until <laughs> you know to the point now where i mean you've played on on what upwards of 26 million copies sold of different records so how do you get to that point well it's obviously a building process mm -hmm. but you know i think when i first came to la it was the mid 90s and um you know, it was still a lot of studios here. And uh, it, basically, it was a matter of like, working my way into the scene, until I started to meet and play with the guys who were doing that. Um, and other instrumentalists, you know, I'm talking about bass players, keyboard players, horn players, things like that. So one of the things that I always recommend guys do is um, find a situation where you're exposed to as many of the highest level of players that you can get to. Like, um, you know, open mic or open playing things can work, but most of the heavy guys in town aren't at those things. Right. You know, it's, it's more about trying to get into a working scene. Like, for instance, you know, find out where the casual offices are in that town. Like, the mm -hmm. people are putting together corporate gigs and weddings and bar mitzvahs and all that kind of stuff. And it's a drag to do that to throw a tux on and schlep your drums through the kitchen but i mean the reality is you're going to meet working guys and like when i got to la i started to do that stuff and you would run into you know the the musical director for kenny loggins was playing keyboards that night at the at the bar mitzvah you know what i mean and, <laughs> and the guitar player from you know bruce conti from uh you know tower of power is playing guitar and mm -hmm. you know and you so you you know and it, it really goes back to a principle that I talk about in clinics and stuff, which is uh, every gig you do should lead to being hired by everybody on that band. And if you walk out of a gig and you don't get called by other guys on that band, you failed at that gig. You need to make hmm. sure that everyone you go on, that the five guys on that band now start calling you. And, or at least throw you into the, the, the hat. You into know what the I mean? mix, right. Yeah, and... So I always looked at it like, man, I didn't nail that thing if I never heard from those cats again. So the idea is that you start building that web of people doing that. And it was funny. One time for an interview, we traced a Grammy Award of mine uh, back to a jazz gig at Magic Mountain Theme Park. Really? You know, by going, okay, well, I got that record by knowing this engineer who I knew him by this bass player who, rec who I was recommended to by this film guy who blah, blah, blah. And it, we went all the way back and traced it, traced it to like me playing a $75 jazz gig at Magic Mountain. That's insane. And that's and the power of networking, man. Th that's, that's just what it is. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we always say is like, look who you know might get you the door, you know, get you the first gig, but what you do gets you the second. Mm -hmm. And if you can play and you know somebody, that helps. If you don't know anybody, but you can play, you're going to start knowing people. Sure. And because you're playing will open the doors for you. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's it, really. I mean, you know, you start to meet those guys and meet those guys. And then, uh, you know, my goal was to do records. 
mm-hmm. and sessions and stuff. So I was really focused on that. So I, when I started to meet those guys, I, you know, would do sessions and things and, you know, come in prepared. And, you know, back in that day, we'd come in with 25 snare drums and a couple different, you know, kits and all the different stuff that we did to, you know, make you more out of the, the, the pack of everybody else. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Guys would go, oh, this guy's got this thing down, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, if there's there's people out there listening now that are saying, okay, I want to start, I, I want to start networking with these, with these higher level guys, and I want to start developing relationships with these people, and you know, it's kind of a hard thing because you don't want to come off to these people as a fan, right? And just like, hey, man, I want to hang out with you because I think you're cool. It's more like, hey, man, I want to hang out with you because. I think that we can make some great music together. Um, And how how do you suggest people do that though? I mean, outside of, you know, outside of the gig or, or, uh, well, it's, it's difficult because it's not like it's a, you know, there's a job placement program or something like that. And, but you know, there's a couple ways to always get a gig. I mean, the first way is um, them hearing you on another gig. Mm -hmm. So the easiest way to get work is to have work. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the more that you get out and play, the better. Um, the second way is, you know, gaining some sort of friendship or association with someone in that band. Um, you know, maybe you can do things, and I've done this before, tricks before, where I was like, I want to infiltrate this situation, so I'm going to hire the bass player on that gig to play on my record. Yeah. You know, and so then all of a sudden he meets you, you're, you give him a couple bucks, he sees you play, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I've done that before. I've done, yeah, the son, done the same. I'm like, Hey man, I want to, I want to play with this guitar player. And, uh, one of my, one of my, uh, mentors from when I was younger was like, well, just hire him. Yeah. Just, just call him and hire him for a gig. So I did, you know, cut a record with him and all that. So, you know, the rest is history, but yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another way is, um, getting to that drummer that's on the gig to see that, you know, you might be able to sub in on it. And, you know, maybe that's a matter of finding, you know, the other thing is too, it's always good to know that guy and know his playing because he got that gig already. So, you know, there's something that he's doing that caused those guys to hire, caused that guy, you know, the guys to hire him. So Mm -hmm. you want to get with him, maybe take lessons with him, maybe, you know, go check him out at other gigs or, you know, invite him to do, I mean, there's different ways to get around, you know, to, to, to get into those situations. Mm -hmm. And, but the bottom line is you're building a client base, right? I mean, I, if I step back and go, okay, well, who are my clients? You know, uh, it's Jeff Dana, Michael Dana, Andrew Lockington, uh, Julian Wass, Danny Elfman, uh, James Horner, uh, you know, the guys that hire me for movies and TV stuff. Mm -hmm. And those are my clients. So, I got to those guys one way or another from another player, from an engineer, from something, something somewhere got me into those guys' presence. And and the most important thing is when you had that shot at it, you delivered and made an impression because, mm-hmm. man, there's times where you got one shot at this. And I, I tell guys all the time, like guys will come up to me and go, can you, you know, can you sum me on a movie date? And, and I'll be like, look, 
how many movie dates have you done? Well, I haven't done any yet. I'm really looking to get into it. I'm like, and you want me to sub you in? On a movie? <laughs> like, you want me to put you on the sessions for, you know, uh, Percy Jackson and you know, right. Monsters, like where we're playing with an orchestra, sight reading, 11 page chart with a conductor to a click with the film and the director in the room. That's what the way you want to break into this. So you want us both to get fired is what you're right, saying. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and you know, I usually say like, look, you got to understand, man, it's way easier to build a new reputation than to fix a bad one. Sure. So you got to make sure that you work into things and that you're ready for this. There's no shortcut. There's no, I haven't done a TV or movie and Russ Miller is going to sub you in on this huge date at Fox Newman stage. You know, I mean, right. I wouldn't be able to do that stuff without peeing my pants if I, you know, had done it a hundred times. Sure, so, sure. And so, yeah, I mean, you need to work up to it. Like, if you want to do sessions, you need to have a reel of recordings that listen, you know, for guys to be able to listen to you play different things. If you don't have a bunch of records that you've already done, then you need to do one. Mm-hmm. And I did that before when I was younger. I hired guys to come in and record stuff so I could create a reel to give to people and... And, um, you know, you just got to be able to do that. And then it, it gets easier and easier. You know, obviously, once you've had hit songs and stuff like that, guys go, uh, well, we're thinking about hiring this guy. Well, what has he done? Oh, he played on all Nelly Furtado's hits and all this other stuff. Oh, great. Yeah, we'll get him. You know, sure. I mean, it's it's easy. It's easier once that kind of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I always looked at it as an investment into yourself. It's just like a business. You got to spend money to make money. So well, you, you may have to yeah. cut a record. You may but, have to get a real build a website. You know, what were we talking about, about marketing? I mean, you got to understand that just like any other business, every business in the world, when they get a hundred dollars in, they know that fifteen percent or twenty percent or whatever that hundred dollars goes back into marketing for the next client. Sure, sure. But musicians don't do that, man. They get their hundred bucks, they spend it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you know, can't do that. You can't do it. You got to realize that it's a business and that you got to invest money into this thing. I mean, we'll happily do it into drums and cymbals and stuff because mm-hmm. we like stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But they won't, you know, a lot of cats won't think about doing it into building a studio or, like you said, maybe doing a record or, you know, whatever. I I remember one of the things that I did when I was very young, I was approached, uh, I was working at a drum store in Florida called Resurrection Drums in Hallandale, Florida. And I was working in the back, literally shipping stuff mm-hmm. and uh, going, to, going to the University of Miami and uh, just trying to make money for college, you know, and the guy from Yamaha band and orchestral came down and I was at that point, I had just started doing little clinics in the grade schools and, and high schools like around town. And the, the, the store owner would give me like 25 bucks right. to go basically wrestle up students for the store. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the Yamaha guy saw what I was doing and he, I was 19 years old and he recommended me to, the upper guys at Yamaha to be a regional clinician. And I started doing a couple gigs and all that other stuff. They came back down a little bit later on. One of the guys went with me on one of those things, came to a gig, all this stuff. And the guys at Yamaha saw that and signed me as a regional clinician for Yamaha. Awesome. What that meant was I was allowed to use the Yamaha name. Uh, I could buy gear pretty inexpensively, which I could already do from working at the store. So that wasn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. And, I they would give me 50 bucks to do clinics for them. So I booked all these clinics up and down the East Coast, probably about, I don't know how many, man, a lot, <laughs> like <laughs> 50 or 60 of them. Wow. Got in the van, went, 
schlepped my gear, set it up, did it. I printed posters for the tour. I sent it to all the places, you know, sent it to Yamaha, like a recap of the whole tour. I made 50 bucks. I mean, I remember driving to Atlanta. It cost me $60 in gas. You know what I mean? Right. But it was like, wow, this is an opportunity for me to set myself apart from those hundreds of other drummers in town. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's an, it's an investment that I did and I took. And, you know, Yamaha saw what I did. And I mean, look, I was with Yamaha for 23 years, you know. Right. And I went from making $50 a clinic to, you know, having five signature products with the company and mm -hmm. you know, being a global ambassador for them. So, I mean, it took 20 years, but sure. still, you know. It's, but that first step, if you didn't do those clinics, who knows what would have come out of that relationship after that? You know, it's it's yeah. taking the first step and then using that as building blocks to to farther your career and to and to create a stronger relationship with the with the brand. Absolutely. And, you know, back then a lot of cats were starting that's when videos and books and DVDs were really starting to kick in, you know. So mm -hmm. I I really I took the opportunity of me moving to Florida and what I had to do, I did I couldn't play Afro Cuban music at all. because I, I was from Ohio, dude. There's no Afro Cuban No, music. I'm I'm from Pennsylvania, so it's yeah, Pennsylvania's basically the same thing as Ohio. They they put dirt and plants in congas and turn them upside down in their front room. You know, <laughs> right. they, don't, they don't know what to do. So you know, I I couldn't even get a gig on a cruise ship for 70 bucks. I remember I auditioned for this cruise ship gig and they were like, you can't play a rumba, forget it. Right. So I actually valet parked at a, um, uh, at a restaurant and I saved my money and I met uh, Hector Nessiasup and Hector is Alex Acuna's nephew. Mm. And uh, I remember calling Hector, we're good friends to this day. I, I remember calling Hector and saying, hey man, I got a gig for you. I met him at the drum store and he's like, yeah, where's my gig, man? You know, I'm like, it's at my apartment. <laughs> and I, I saved money valet parking and I would hire Hector to come over to the apartment and bring his gear and play all this stuff. And I would write out all the rhythms that he was playing and I would start to try to figure out how to put them on the drum set because nice. there really wasn't much stuff back then. It was just starting, you know, mm -hmm. and now you can buy a hundred books with all that. stuff. Sure, sure. But, you know, back then there wasn't any and it, it was just starting out. So that's what I did. I hired Hector. And then out of that, Hector would like start to recommend me for gigs because he had knew that I could play that stuff. Right. And, right. you know, so those are times where you're taking money, you're investing back, you're, you're working towards the future of your career and your product. And, and, uh, I still do that to this day in, in different ways. You know, I mean, That's awesome. now it's investing in, you know, I have a world-class studio. So you're, you know, maybe putting a lot of money into equipment and things like that. So. Right. Right. Well, let's switch gears and talk about the studio because I know that you've run um, your online classroom through there at drumandpercussionuniversity.com. Let's talk about the, the university that you have. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I have all those books and DVDs that I hear with Warner Brothers and, and uh, Hudson and Alfred and all those guys. And I, the first thing for me was I was feeling like um, I need to update a lot of that stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. the my first book, The Drum Set Crash Score, all that stuff was very successful. I mean, it was all Reader's Poll, Modern Drummer and all that. And I was really happy with all of it, but it had just been around for a long time, you know, sure. since 94 was the first one. And so I needed to update that. I wanted to make it all digital and make it in a way where you could have it on an iPad or iPhone or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was the first thing. And then when I started thinking about the coaching aspect of it, I, I looked around at some other online schools and there's some really good ones. Like I love Mike Johnson's and MikeLessons.com. Mm -hmm. It's a great resource. And Mike is great. He's a great teacher. And 
Um, he's a friend of mine and I, I think he does a great job and he does some stuff that I can't do, which is, you know, do live streaming stuff every week. And, mm-hmm. you know, all, I just, my schedule won't allow for that. And, but I thought I'll, I'm going to try something different. I love the coaching aspect. So what I did is created this opportunity where obviously you can just go and buy a lesson or a, a lab of lessons on hand technique or foot technique. You can do that and put it on your phone and just do it like anybody else's thing. But one of the things we do is an enrollment package where you get full access to everything on the school. There's about 160 lessons up there already, but you also get a year of personal coaching by me. Hmm. So we have several guys that are in it now, and basically you get an enrollment package back, and it tells you what I want you to record for me either an audio and most of it is just video with a phone it doesn't have to be you know a big video production right and and you go through this this list of stuff play this play a double stroke roll play a paradiddle play a groove play a swing beat you know all these different things mm-hmm. you send it back to me i analyze that and i send you back a course syllabus which is like basically a an, an analyzation of what i saw what you need to work on and what order to download the different lessons and work on them in and it's about an 18-page document of your analyzation of your playing. And you get that back, and I give you time frames. You should be able to do this in 90 days, you know, 100 days, 120, and get back to me in 30 days on this and 60 days on this. And we we just go back and forth, man. And, and I try, you know, I coach you through this stuff. So there's guidance rather than just going, oh, I'm just going to download a bunch of lessons and go through them. You know, you, you've got that third-party perspective of what you're doing, what you need to work on. And, you know, that was something that I thought that wasn't out there. And, I think that's a great idea, man. Oh, well, thank I you. I really do. And how long do, how long does the whole thing take, would you say? Well, I mean, what we're doing, we, we did what I consider over a year's worth of material already. That's mm-hmm. up, And now we, we start, we're starting production run two, which will give another year and a half. So, I got you. you know, the first guys to go in got about a year or a year and a half worth of material. The guys going in, you know, now have even more and then you know you're going to go in and have two years worth and all this but because of the coaching aspect it wouldn't matter if there was 500 lessons up there because the coaching is telling you you need to do this one you need to do that Mm -hmm. and a lot you look man this is real deal stuff there's there's cats hearing stuff they don't want to hear right and and that's out trust me i didn't want to go to peter erskine and hear what i heard (laughs) right (laughs) you know i I always you know, played me out, man, a few times where I walked out of there going, what am I even doing? Yeah, <laughs> I've been uh, a, a good friend of mine is, is do you know, Joey DeFrancesco, the organ player? Uh, absolutely. He's a monster. Man. Yeah. So I cut. So um, his brother, Johnny DeFrancesco, is a great guitar player. And I cut a record with him, uh, you know, a couple years ago. But now he and I are good friends. But when I first yeah. met him, you know, he was kind of. I would always just go see him play and he became a mentor of mine, but then we would have these late night conversations and there's a couple of times, man, I left with my tail between my legs and was like, I never, he's like, he called me the next day one time. He's like, are are you, are you cool from last night? (laughs) I know. I do that with guys sometimes, but you know what, man, if you're, I love it though. If you're not getting it handed to you, you're not with the, What's that? That's as simple as that. Because if I walk out of there thinking, you know, I got this guy nailed, then I'm in the wrong spot. I mean, I need to be going to a guy that's got it together. I mean, I remember one of the lessons with Peter, he has a disc clavier piano right beside the drum kit. You know, one of those pianos where you put a MIDI file in it and it plays it back. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, he put this uh, really up-tempo piece in there, and I was sitting on his drums, and he's like, I want you to play this piece with this piano, and I don't want to hear, I want to hear every note that piano's playing. I don't want to hear one thing cover one note. Hmm. And, I mean, this is acoustically, man. Right. You know? And this is like, I don't know where it was at, like 260, 275, you know, tempo-wise. And and I I sound like Godzilla, you know. I mean, <laughs> just, I sound like a huge elephant, you know, stepping all over the thing. Try, I, I mean, it got to the point where I couldn't even play the time anymore because I'm trying, I can't play it light enough. And, you know, and then he gets down and destroys the thing. And, you know, you feel like, man. And, you know, one of the things he said to me was, just think about if you're that piano player that I have to play differently on my piano because you're playing so loud, you're forcing me to dig in harder, and now I can't play the things that I want to play as the piano player because of the way you're playing. Right. But this other guy shows up and I don't have to do that. Who are you going to hire? Absolutely. Makes you know, total so, sense. Yeah, those you, you walk out of there, you know, <laughs> not feeling really good about yourself. <laughs> you're like, how did I ever even make it? <laughs> right, drama. you're like, yeah, well, I'm never going to pay my mortgage again. <laughs> right. <laughs> so now this cl- this this online classroom that you have and with the uh with the syllabus and everything how much does something like that run? Uh right now we're it's 199 for the whole year. That is insane. Yeah, and uh you get obviously access to all of the all of the lessons and everything and we have a fill of the month thing where you get this cool uh fill idea every month and and uh for free and then you even get reward points that allow you to download stuff from the media store because we have my records and like a bunch of play-alongs and stuff that can help you and books we're putting up there you get all that stuff with your reward points for free so it's a super deal you know and we're going to keep it that way for as long as we can and uh i love it i'm having fun doing it you know i i'm you know i may have stepped into something if you know if i get three thousand of them in one day i might be in the weeds a little bit but you know it's right now we're you know it's not high numbers of stuff so i'm able to really spend time and look you know work with the guys and you know the guys have been great and they've been really uh uh coming back and forth and i'm enjoying doing it so it's fun so are you on the road a lot or or uh i'm on the road about 30 percent of the time you know i was doing american idol for the past couple of years mm-hmm. uh, the mentor sessions on there where whenever they bring the guest art like Gwen Stefani and Will I Am and Puff Daddy and whoever would be the guest, you know, I would right. I was on the band that did all that. And um so for that seasons, those are seventeen weeks long, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for I couldn't really leave town doing any of that. Right. And um it changed up this year because the band that was on the Tonight Show uh used to be Idol's band. Now they're back from the Tonight Show because it went to New York. Mm-hmm. So it kind of changed up uh, how much I'm doing there. And I'm traveling a little bit more this year. But, yeah, I'm still doing various gigs here and there, still Andre Bocelli stuff. And um, I always end up on something, you know, like I, you know, I'll be in London doing a record or I'm going to China and Taiwan and Indonesia next month to oh, do great. a <laughs> session in some clinics for Mapex. And um, Mapex has got me busy the past year. Uh, with that change, you know, with me going over there, mm-hmm. they um, they got me running around. So, which is great, right? So, why the change to Mapex? Well, you know, Yamaha made some major, major changes. Mm-hmm. Um, the the people that were making the drums aren't making them anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went to a whole other factory, a whole different people making them, and they discontinued all the drums that I was using. 
um, uh, recording custom, the, the, all my Birch custom absolute, the O custom, everything, everything was gone, and all of my signature instruments. Wow. As well as as well as everybody else's. So, Talk about having the rug pulled out from under you. It, it, yeah, and you know what the situation was? It wasn't that it was what they were doing now is, you know, bad or worse necessarily. It's just that it's just so different, you know, and it was right. so, it was just, I had been there for 23 years and to have it all change so fast without really, without a lot of warning, it was, it just kind of threw me for a loop. Mm -hmm. And, um, for the first time in my career, I just started looking around and, uh, I played a whole bunch of different drums. I got some great offers from other companies, but Mapex was the only company that, was going in the upward direction when everyone else seemed to be going downward. Right. You know, everyone else is running to China trying to make $500 drum sets and, and Mapex is going, Hey, we're from China and we've already, we've been making $500 drum sets. We want to make, you know, great high end pro stuff. Mm -hmm. And I got excited about that because, you know, I love to help design stuff and, and I've been helping them. We made some changes already you know and sonic clear edge and different things that have already come out and we got a whole bunch of great new stuff coming and it's been really fun for me to be a part of that you know it was sort of like what was happening with yamaha years ago where we were like really i mean coming up with sub kicks and you know wedges and all these different things that hadn't been on the market before and and so it's it's been great and they're a great company. I mean, they really got it together and, and the instrument is getting better and better and, and the stuff coming is on fire. It's, I think, I think people are really going to turn to Mapex and go, what is going on over there? You know, that's, that's, that's what you want to hear with the, if you're with the company, you know, it is. Yeah, it is. And I mean, there's so many great drums. I mean, DW makes great drums and there's obviously amazing custom drums like Craviato and pork pie and, all those things, but I, I, I needed to be with a big company because uh, I just travel so much all over the world. I need to be able to get drums everywhere, and, mm -hmm. and uh, so Mapex just fit the bill all the way around, and, and it's been great. That's awesome. Yeah. So I always like to ask the drummers that I interview, if, if, you, if nobody knew who you were today, or you wake up tomorrow, nobody knows who you are, you still have your skill sets, but, yeah. but nobody knows who you are, what, what would you do to to start to get onto the scene and, uh, and, and what would you do to get your name out there? Well, the same, the same approach that I used before, it's probably an old business model at this point, but I mean, you know, I mean, the bottom line is it's all about visibility, right? I mean, this is why, you know, the music business, I mean, look, there's been a, this odd separation between the, the drum business and the music business for some reason in the past years where now there's like famous drummers who aren't working in the music business. Mm -hmm. You know, there's famous, there's guys who are killing it in the music business who the drum industry, they don't even pay attention to. Right. And that, that never used to really be there. It was always like, basically the, there was no drum business. It was just the music business. And then the drum business just got excited about who was doing, you know, on the tour or on the gig or the record or whatever. But now there's this sort of breach where it, there's sort of these two things happening. And, you know, look, the music business is way, way harder than the drum business. And, uh, to get into the music business, it takes visibility it takes time. It takes effort. You just got to start the ball rolling. And it, it's about doing as many gigs as you can and marketing yourself, putting your name out there, doing the things we talked about, like 
make sure you have a record or a demo reel and you know decent photos of you a solid website i mean now there's all these things that there wasn't when i was younger like twitter and facebook and all of that stuff you know mm -hmm. i mean it's really odd it's funny I, I look at some of the you know there'll be young guys who have this amazing social network following but they're not working in the music business that much right you know and then you, you see older guys maybe that are killing it you know that i like you take a guy like steve schaefer mm -hmm. like He's not like a, a big name in the drum world. Steve works every day. He's played on like a thousand movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, his pension through the union is going to be more than most people make in a year. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right. I mean, he's been very, very successful in the music business. And, it, it, but like, he doesn't, drum business doesn't care, you know, but they'll take a guy who can play, you know, all these amazing licks on the drums and put them on the cover of magazines and all the other stuff. That guy, you know, he's doing 30, 40 clinics a year for five, six hundred, seven hundred bucks. He, he, that's he's not barely making a living, you right. know. And nobody's hiring him. Yeah, you know? and he's not working in the music business. So I mean, it's all a kind of a facade in a way. You know, it's to be to be honest. I mean, it's about being in the music business. No one wanted to start playing drums to do a drum solo in a music store. Right. I mean, we want to play on records and do tours and be in the band and all that other stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, focus on what you want to do and work towards that. You know, you want to play in a band, be playing in as many bands as you can and, you know, see if you can get a slot to open up with somebody that, uh, you know, might get you some visibility or I, when I first moved to LA, <clears throat> the other thing I did a lot was kind of gun for hire stuff where there was all these preset bands, but they needed drummers. So, I was the only guy making 150 bucks on the gig. Everyone else was doing it for free, but I would go in because I could read music. I would write the book for the gig, and they could call me on and know that I could show up on Thursday night and cover the gig for them and not have to rehearse for six weeks. You know? Right, right. And so you know, just things like that. I mean, having that that skill set, like you said, you know, having that skill set, you can read and you can write charts and you can play different styles and you have good time and you can play with a click and you know, you're getting your product together and you just get out there and, you know, get people to see it as much as you can, work as much as you can and do it. And, you know, to be honest, it's funny, Billy Sheehan and I uh, were talking, uh, Billy Sheehan, the great bass player, we, we have a little trio thing that we do. And um, we were talking about how a lot of guys just, they don't think about being apprentices in this business anymore. Like my you know, teacher used to sub me on gigs and we would go do these gigs where it was like five, six nights a week, five, six hours a night of playing mm -hmm. all these different gigs. And we'd learn all these songs and all these people would see you play and all, I mean, you just got to get out there and do it. Like some of these guys think that they're going to get an endorsement with a company and shoot to the cover of Modern Drummer. And somehow they're going to have a career in this business, but that's, it's all, it's all a facade, man. Yeah. That's what Roy Burns always says from Aquarian. You know, he, yeah. he says we can't make you a star. We can give you an endorsement, but that's yeah. that's about where it stops. We're not gonna. You have to do the work to make your make yourself a star. Right. And I mean, to be honest with you, you know, why would they give you an endorsement if you weren't already a star? You know what I mean? Right. That's the right. point. The, the, the point for them is that they give you this stuff because you use it and influence other people to buy it. But if nobody knows you, then how are you influencing people to buy that stuff? Now. Right. I think they should be 
like Yamaha did with me when I was a kid. I think they should always search out young talent and help foster that and be working on some of that stuff. But a lot of these guys just got it so backwards where they think, I'm going to get an endorsement from a drum head company or a drum company and they're going to make me famous. It's all backwards. And at the end of the day, even if you rocked 50 clinics and uh, did all the festivals and all that, I mean, that's one shot, one run of stuff. You've got the rest of your life to work and try to figure out how to make a living. Right, right, you know? absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, totally it's, it's, it's a challenge, but, you know, look, you're playing drums for a living. I mean, it's better than better than digging ditches. You it know? totally is. I say that all the time, man. You know, it's it beats – I always say the same exact thing. It beats digging ditches. Yeah, absolutely. So, but, so if you had um, – one one piece of advice about about failure tell something tell us you know a failure that you've had or, or an obstacle that you've had to overcome and how you how you got over that well failures are a part of life they're a part of learning and if everything was successful for you uh you wouldn't grow as a human being mm -hmm. i mean it's as simple as that and i mean that goes with from relationships to business things to everything and you know there was a time in my career and where I felt like I was off in the wrong direction, where it was about, you know, having chops and being flashy and having, you know, a fancy drum set and electronic stuff and all of that stuff. And I, and I left the core ideals of what I was there to do, which was, you know, make that music feel as good as it could feel and make that artist and client as comfortable as possible. And I would fight that, you know, I would fight, if the artist wanted something, but I felt like that wasn't hip enough, you know, then I would kind of fight and battle that. And, you know, there's some gigs that I wish I could go back on mm -hmm. and play now. You know what I mean? Because I, right. I feel like I would do a better job at it. And there's, you know, I've never been really fired from a gig or anything like that. I've definitely gone on auditions and not gotten gigs because mm -hmm. I went out it the wrong way. And, you know, the bottom line is that core fundamental of what we're doing, of keeping really solid time, having a great feel and playing the highest level music possible will always, always win. And I mean, we've been proving that over and over. Right. I mean, look how many look at the there's a there's you can look up on the Internet, the net worth of famous drummers. Mm hmm. OK, and it's an interesting thing to look up. It's, you know, the top 25 guys or whatever. Most every one of them are band guys. You know, right. They're not sidemen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's like Mick Fleetwood, Ringo Starr. Uh... Every one of those guys at the top of the list are not what we would consider an amazing drummer. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? They're an amazing musician mm -hmm. who, you know, they just happen to play drums. And they were all in amazing bands and made amazing music and but none of them that were smoking drummers where you're like, man, he's like one of the best drummers of all time. You know, right. none, of those, none of those amazing drummers are on that list. And not that it's about money, but it's just the fact that success in this business of playing music is about playing music. It's not about playing drums. And right. there's a big difference between a great drummer and a great musician who plays the drums. Right. And there's too many great drummers right now. Mm-hmm. Just simple as that. I see them all the time. And you know, you can go and see 25 guys. They all sound exactly the same. They're all taking the same approach to the drums, the same approach to the sound of the drums, the same approach to fills and groove. And what happens is you end up with too many people 
with the same product. Right. And then you can't sell the thing or for, you can sell it, but the next guy is going to sell it cheaper and the next guy is going to sell it cheaper mm-hmm. and cheaper and cheaper until, you know, that's kind of what's happening in this business now is there's too many guys with the same product and they're getting paid less and less and less. And you see, I, they're friends of mine. They're young guys that come up to me and go, you know, how do I get out of the situation? I'm working on these big tours and I, you know, I, I can barely pay my bills or, you know, guys that are like, can't barely make a living at this stuff. And the first thing I say is make sure you're not trying to sell a product that everybody else has, man. Yeah. It's, it's as simple as that. Like when I, when I was growing up, guys sounded different. You know, Vinny sounded different than Steve Smith and he sounded different than Gad and he sounded different than Phil Collins and he sounded different than Weckl and Dennis Chambers came in and sounded different than all of them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they all sounded kind of like Buddy Rich, but not really, you know, and and, I mean, look at Buddy Rich, you know, used to love Danny Seraphine and he and, and he loved Gad. And the reason he said it was because they had a sound. Mm hmm. And uh that's the thing, the biggest problem right now, man, is that I would walk into town in a new town to answer your question and go, what is everybody doing? That's what I'm not going to do. Right. And right. it's an interesting way of looking at that, too, because, you know, I agree with you, and, but I've never I've never thought of it like that, that everybody's just basically selling the same product. You know, for the most part, there's guys like I don't know, I think like Keith Carlock sounds totally different than everybody. Absolutely. Know. But look, look how much Keith works. Right. Exactly. He's, he's got more, he's gotten more major gigs than anybody I think I've ever met in my life. Like period. Like, you know, and it goes on and on. Now he's in Toto and, but yeah, he's got a very distinctive sound and it carried him from the 55 bar making 75 bucks to six or seven of the biggest gigs in the world. Yeah. I just saw him a couple weeks ago. Daniel Glass and I went to see him at a 55 bar. Yeah. And he got, he has, it's so funny because how much can he make at that gig? He has like a tech come in instead of his gears. Oh, it's just for fun at this point. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's like the baked potato out here, you know. Yeah, yeah. You go to the baked potato and Simon Phillips has his entire rig. Right. On, you know, it's the whole stage. The band is in the, in the aisle way where the waitresses are delivering the drinks, you know. Right. That's actually <laughs> where I stay in LA is that the parking lot is touching the back of the baked potato. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I'm like, this is perfect. I can just oh, walk that's awesome. right yeah. across the street, walk in the back door. I mean, the, you know, the high, there's a seriously high level of music going on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. I love it. So where can everybody get in touch with you if they want to find out more information or if they want to, you know, sign up for, for uh, your online classroom and everything? Oh, yeah. Well, of course, there's RussMiller.com. And um, you, you can contact me there. And there's links to all the social network stuff there, Facebook and Twitter and all that. And... um there's also a link. It says online classroom at the top of that. And you can go right to the classroom from there. It's actually at drum and percussion university.com. But, um, we don't really promote it with that name as much mm-hmm. as we say, go to rustmiller.com and click online classroom. Okay. And, uh, eventually what we're going to try to do is get some other artists on there. That's why we did a different server. So there might be, you know, the Steve Smith classroom or the, you know, Louis Conte classroom or whatever. I mean, right. eventually we're going to trim the, get some other cats involved with it but for right now it's just mine so yeah just through rustmiller.com and then facebook is uh i think it's Russ Miller drums no that's twitter official i don't know what they are man i can't remember <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what man i'll i'll make sure that they're on the show notes page uh so yeah, that everybody can just go to, to rustmiller.com you can click and go to all of them you know? okay cool and you do you teach privately too or no 
I do. I, I, I teach uh, periodically, and I have a bunch of guys that come here. Uh, um, uh, Aaron Montgomery from Trapped and uh, Chris Hess from Hoobastank and uh, 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 the guy from Jack Johnson's band. and You know, just nice. a bunch of, bunch of cats. So um, they come kind of like I do with Peter. They'll come here uh, and then I'll give them stuff that takes months to work on and they'll come back two, three, four months later or whatever. And, I got you. And um, yeah, it's not weekly necessarily, but mm -hmm. yeah, I do do that. And I, I, get, I even arrange some Skype lessons periodically with guys from other countries. Mm -hmm. And uh, the best thing to do is just email me on the website. And okay. um, and uh, the email is pretty simple. It's just rmisticks, R-M-I-S-T-I-C-K-S, at russmiller.com. It'll come right to me. Great. And, um, yeah, and then I can work that out with guys. But, yeah, I got a new record, too, coming out with, um, you know, I have five solo records now. And this one um, is with the Arrival Trio, and it's coming out in a couple months. Awesome. And, so uh, will that be available uh, through your site as well? It, it will be, yeah. And okay. all my stuff is on iTunes. The original Arrival record, the one with um, uh, me and Steve Gadd and Steve Smith and and Murata and Jimbo and all the guys, we all did that one together. Um, that one is already up on everything and has been for a while. And um, this one will be up too on everything. And it's going to be, it's, a, it's with a new label and stuff. So it'll be available everywhere, but of course on my stuff. And, Great. Uh, we also have a media store at this at the classroom where all you can buy all that stuff. It's kind of like an iTunes store. So. Oh, cool! Yeah, awesome, yeah. man. There's some stuff on there that you can't get. Like we do the play-alongs of those records. Like if you can get the whole record minus drums and things like that. So, oh, really? Yeah. Where Where is that Just on the the media store at the at the classroom? Yeah. Oh, on the classroom. Okay, I yeah. got you. I got Just you. Click media store and all that stuff's on there. Cool, man. Because I like I said, I'll link to I'll link to all this stuff. Uh, yeah on Absolutely. my website as well so that way the listeners can go and and check it out and i strongly advise you guys to go check out russ's stuff and and sign up for the uh for the online that syllabus thing to me is just the coolest thing i really i'm really uh, digging that man it's an awesome idea well you know we'll send you send your video and we'll send you back one <laughs> let's do it let's do it absolutely awesome well russ thank you so much for doing this man i appreciate it i know the listeners definitely appreciate it as well and your your wealth of knowledge and insight into the into the business side of things is uh is always welcomed as well oh thank you thanks for thinking of me it was fun man i appreciate it and look forward to hearing from some people and talking to all you guys so it's great awesome russ thank you again so much appreciate it man my pleasure nick talk all right i'll talk to you soon all right see you Bye. man if you didn't get something out of that interview, I think you need to go back and and listen again. What a great what a great interview. Russ is just Russ is the man. He's just a, a super super cool guy and and has so much information and is willing to just share it all and so humble and and I love it. And if you want to learn more about Russ, you can go to russmiller.com and I really advise going to drumandpercussionuniversity.com and you can study directly with him and you send in your stuff and he evaluates it and sends you back a syllabus on what to work on. It's, it's such an amazing concept and I've actually been digging around on the site. I have a membership on there. So I've been just started going through these videos that he has on there and I'm getting a ton of information out of it. So check that out. Drummerpercussionuniversity.com. If you want to step up your game on a different level, you might want to check out drummers resource elite pro. It's like nothing you've ever seen 
before this exclusive mastermind group will offer drummers of all skill level the opportunity to collaborate, learn from, and support other drummers in an inspiring and motivating community setting. From the beginners to the professionals, everyone has a place in the Drummers Resource Elite Pro. We're going to offer live Q&A webinars with today's top drummers exclusive industry insights and advice to help you perform at your highest level, a 15-minute Skype consultation with me to assess your current status, the ability to submit your own questions to the interviewees, annual meetups, a whole bunch of music business stuff, and a ton more. If you want to learn more about it, go to drummersresource.com slash elite pro, and you can sign up for the waiting list and learn more about it, and so you'll get informed when we're going to launch. And that is drummersresource.com forward slash elite pro. Visit us, drummersresource.com, facebook.com forward slash drummersresource, or at Twitter at drummersrsource, and we're also on Instagram at drummersresource. And like I mentioned, sign up for the email list, and you can get the free book, Stick Control Variations, my new ebook, 100% free. Just sign up for the mailing list, and you'll get that. You'll get a link to download that immediately. So until next week. Keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you have any questions, feel free to email me, nick at drummersresource.com, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.